doing a bit of a random show with the, the veritable Mr. John Dinsdale of Steel Chair Wrestling Magazine Deathmatch Editor. That's his official title at Steel Chair Wrestling Magazine. He <laughs> did want Editor of Death, but no one would let him do that because um, we're mean. Uh, he was supposed to be with us today. Unfortunately, his dad is trying to build a kitchen and uh, oh, it's, a bit, <laughs> it's a bit noisy, so he suggests we have a go tomorrow night instead. So to fill in, on short notice, Chelsea came to join us and we're just going to have a chat about wrestling and talk about wrestling news and stuff that's happened this week as a bit of a change because it's not going to be a review. We haven't watched anything to do it with. Um, and yeah, so that's what we're going to do. How, how is you and your wrestling life at the moment, Chelsea? What are you watching? <laughs> um, to be perfectly honest with you, I am watching Precious Little. Um, I have the Hana Memorial show in my list of stuff to watch this week. I've been watching W after it airs when I find out that there's a match I'm really excited about. So like if Thunder Rosa is there, I'm all over that. And <laughs> I've been keeping up a little bit on the John Moxley, Eddie Kingston situation because they're just delightful. Um, watched a little bit of Impact uh, probably a month ago. Not super, super into it still. Um, I also, I have on my to-do list, I need to give Women of Honor another shot because Maria is running it. And it's just, just she's, she's so refreshing. She's a breath of fresh air. She's smart. She's awesome. She actually likes and cares about those women. And it just sounds like somebody like her being in charge of that is exactly what they need. So yeah. um, I need to check in and see what the deal is there, especially since I know Allison Kay was just on it this past week. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm a big Allison Kay fan, so I want to check that out. Um, and then there was an indie show that I was thinking of going to this past weekend um, in Massachusetts, but I looked up their policy for social distancing and mask wearing. And I wasn't super impressed, so I decided not to go fully <laughs> vaccinated because I just I want to be safe. So um, hopefully, at some point soon, there will be actual live wrestling to attend, and I will go and physically be there in person because that hasn't been the case in about two years for me, I think. So, so yeah, no. um, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm a I'm an extremely casual wrestling watcher at the moment. I'm still keeping on top of the major headlines, but uh really just i think i needed a break and i think i'm not fully back into it yet that's fine it's the way it goes for a lot of us really you know i was, was talking off air before we started i'm not watching as religiously as as i have to watch like you know every road two show from chicago first ring for diana like i used to just because right i've got other stuff to go on in my life and i stick to the major promotions and i stick to the big stories and like I still like watching obscure wrestling from the middle of nowhere <laughs> when I get the chance. Yeah, that's your thing. But, yeah, that's my thing. But it is just like, you know, 
it's been nice to go back and watch history lessons and stuff. And funnily enough, I think the listeners like it. Actually, the biggest rated show we've had this year is when me and John looked at the first Triple Mania uh, from 1994. That's awesome. You know, and it's cool that you guys like listening to that stuff. So we try and slip that in and do different things. We're kind of like trying to do a bit of Lucha history now. I want to find a UWA Lucha show so we can look at Because me and Ben Spindler did a Lucha show and John did a Lucha show with us. I think we should do some UWA, some Lucha history. Because it's like I stopped watching Lucha in the late 90s just because there was a bunch of wrestlers I really cared about. And then I no longer had access to it. So I never saw what happened next. And it's like... Now those guys are like, you come back to it 20 years later and it's like, oh, they're, they're the veterans of the, obviously they're in the 60s now, <laughs> you know, and uh, it's like, this is this was really cool stuff back in the day and I forgot how cool it was. But you, I watch a modern AAA or a CMLL show and I get a bit lost sometimes because it it suffers from luchuritis, as I call it, in the sense of it's not <laughs> like American or Japanese wrestling. It's all about big moves and big entrances and big flash stuff, which isn't necessarily the most compelling thing when you're not used to it, if you see what I mean. Right. Yeah, you know, it has so, a learning curve. Yeah, so it's like if you if I religiously watch AAA every week or CMLL every week, I'd be better chance, but it's, it's just not available every week. Hey, AAA used to be. They used to do their TV show on YouTube. I should have taken the opportunity whilst I had chance, but no, not anymore. Um, interestingly, there was a big story about AAA this week, which is that Kenny Omega will defend his AAA Mega Championship, which I think is the best name for a world title ever. Like, there's the world title, you're the world champion, the universal champion. No, Kenny Omega is the Mega Champion. Yeah. What more could you want? And he's going to defend it against Andrade at Triple Mania 29. And normally, it's going re- to be interesting. Yes, I'm going to. I'll, we normally we review Triple Mania, so we should review Triple Mania 29. Andrade, best known as Charlotte Flair's boyfriend. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, the, the lucky, the lucky man. Yes, very lucky indeed. I mean, an exceptionally talented professional wrestler, obviously. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, and it is interesting that he signed with AAA rather than CMLL. But then again, I think he might. Yeah, probably- what's the deal there? I don't I know about that because CMLL don't if it, correct me if I'm wrong because my lucha knowledge is not that not that extensive but doesn't CMLL have a bigger budget for like everything? Uh well, there is the minor issue that they may or may not have run out of money. Oh, there was well, that the, explains about, it then, I guess. Yeah, about six months ago, there was a rumor that CMLL was ready to sell out to AAA. And negotiations had taken place. Whoa. Not heard any. Not heard anything since. I um, CMLL was like the more prestigious brand. They well, yeah, I mean, they are. But equally, AAA's been around for thirty years now. They've not been around for like the ninety odd years that CMLL have been around for. But um, yeah, and CML is kind of like the more conservative company. I, we got into trouble for this because like. Um, I'd said oh. on I, when we did the the Triple Mania show, uh, the first Triple Mania with John, I said that CML was the more conservative company. And then me and Ben Spindler did the, uh, a TV show for CMLL, which actually literally ended up with Vampiro slicing and dicing Pyretta Morgan and Vampiro doing a massive blade job at the end. 
And he was going, Ben was going like, yeah, more conservative, right? Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, this is only once in a while. But yeah. Um, so yes, CMLL is the more traditionalist. There's the word I've been looking for. I mean, hey, Cody Rhodes me. likes to get bladed up, and he's still pretty conservative politically. So yes, it, uh, it happens. As <laughs> centrist as you could possibly get. Yes. So yeah, centrist, centrist, centrist just means you're conservative, James. Come on. No, yeah, no. I mean, like, yeah, there's no fence sitting to get splinters in his ass, obviously. Um, huh. no, I, that, that, is the thing, that is the thing with Cody at the minute, the go-go thing, because uh, they've got that feud going on in AEW at the moment, and Cody's, you know, giving this big, like, uh, Americana kind of angle to it in America versus UK, and People were saying, well, you know, Agogo is like, uh, you know, he's, he's going for this big British pride angle and his Union Jacks and everything. And he's like, that should make him popular back. No, it doesn't. Just makes him suspect. <laughs> I mean, like, that's, that's how we feel about Cody. Yeah, Those of us who didn't yeah. vote for, you know, the giant orange rage monster. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, can I can I just say since we're on the topic of like that promo that Cody cut about that stuff and the whole Americana thing, like yes, I I, I <laughs> there was this article on Deadspin, Deadspin, which I don't read very much anymore because I'm not a fan of the way that all those journalists were treated. But um, uh, there was an article on Deadspin that said something like Cody Rhodes should just fuck off, and <laughs> there was a rebuttal yes. on an almost equally prestigious website that was like, actually, I'm refuting a whole bunch of your points. And I saw more than one person that night that that promo aired saying, yeah, actually, maybe Cody really should fuck off. Like, <laughs> just the the idea, the the thing he said that just kept rattling around in my brain for a couple days after, it's just like one of the dumbest things I've ever heard a person say is, he was talking about how he said his daughter is going to be mixed race, which that's that's not bad. That's not a bad thing to say. But he said that he wants his daughter to know being black and know being white. And <laughs> like, first of all, first of all, what the fuck is positive about whiteness? Like hot pockets? Like like what what is what is actually good about that culturally that you really want to instill in your daughter? All the good things about whiteness culturally are just things that we stole from other people, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Also concerns me very much because um brandy brandy is not super super light-skinned right brandy is a dark-skinned black woman and cody cody apparently is not aware that if his daughter ends up looking more like her mother than she does like him which is a significant possibility because this isn't gattaca it's not like you can genetically engineer your child to be the perfect shade of beige right um if she looks more like her mother than she does like him, she's not going to have the option of opting into whiteness. That's not going to be a thing that's on the table for her. Like, Cody can try to introduce her to football games and drinking beer, I guess, as much as he wants to, <laughs> in his, like, white southern good old boy kind of way. But she's still going to get treated by the rest of the world as though she's black. Yes. So when he's like, I want her to know both, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, it just concerns me very much that no, this is the thing that he is not better educated about. And the fact that he said that stuff on television and then defended it as not just a heel promo, but like, 
a true passionate statement about his feelings about America. I was just like, dude, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, please go to therapy. Please get a therapist who is not white who will actually tell you the fucking truth because clearly you need that. I don't it's know. Al- it's almost as if he'd never met a black person in his life, despite the fact that he's married to one and went to Georgia Tech. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I. Brandy at times occasionally gives me vibes of doing this thing of like, I'm not like the other girls. I'm classier. I'm smarter. I'm more, a better businesswoman. And sometimes I think what she means is I'm not like the other girls in wrestling. And sometimes I think what she means is I'm not like the other black girls in wrestling. Yeah. And I could be I could be wrong about that. And I am saying that as a white person. So it's entirely probable that there are layers of like black female issues that I'm not in touch with that need to be navigated there. Maybe I am maybe I am fully off base saying that but sometimes i just get that vibe from her so strongly and when cody goes out in public and says stuff like this it's it it doesn't help that perception that she wants to think of herself as better than other people and how she somehow made the correct choices to make herself immune to the racism of you know, things that other black women have to deal with. As though racism is a thing that you can just opt out of with your choices and not like a systemic force that affects all all black women, all people of color. So yes. getting a little deep at 36 minutes into the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, oh, no, no. We're only yeah. 13 minutes into the podcast. We sat another oh, chat right, 20 minutes before we started. We yeah. 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 Strap yourself in, folks. This could be a long afternoon. Um, yeah, sorry guys. <laughs> anyway, no. yeah, so Cody's a dumbass, and I wish he would just settle down with a thick book. Yeah, um, I strongly recommend Crash Course's African American History, which is three episodes in. They're little ten-minute chunks. You can learn an awful lot about the horrific things that happened to African American people three or four hundred years ago, and are still learning about now because you know, well. Texas this week banned history. So maybe we can think about that instead. Um, in other news, should we go on to other news? <laughs> yeah, the wrestling gods took out a lot of trash this week. Yes, I mean, there was some bad news. Let's let's go through that. There was um, Jake Clemens, Katiba Devai, Brandy Lauren, Ezra Judge, Jessamyn Duke, Vanessa Bourne, um and as well i think there was one other person who left too but i think that was actually voluntary yeah alex wolf no alex wolf was released too did from you NXT. say jessamine duke? duke was yeah was released yeah which i don't understand because she wasn't really wrestling for them she was just making loads of video content for them she was essentially a video producer which is a bit bizarre really i so i wonder if it's possible that maybe she was dealing with some kind of like lingering injury that prohibited her from doing in-ring stuff. And I mean, like, it's not like WWE doesn't have a ton of video producers. Like they probably just didn't see a fit there. I don't know. I I have nothing against her. I just, I thought she was out of place there for a long time. I think she, from what I understand, from what I've read about before, she they just it was just the classic creative. I've nothing has nothing for you here. Here's a budget. Go make some videos. 
and they kept her on to do yeah. that and apparently they were quite popular and they she was quite happy to do keep doing that she wasn't that bothered about a wrestling career because i mean she's mm-hmm. a world-class shooter she doesn't you know it was it, right it was she doesn't of, need that stuff yeah she doesn't need to she doesn't want to it was kind of i think as well you know they kind of came in on the back of the ronda rousey deal and with her not being there anymore the four horsemen of mma thing kind of fell flat on its face because that doesn't mm. work because that would there was obviously there was kind of thought processes as it was teased a couple of times the long-term idea would be the four horsewomen of wrestling versus the four horsewomen of the mma which would have been actually probably a moneymaker really in the long term it would have made a lot of money but it would have put every at the end of it because end that with a definitive like draw or some kind of interference that breaks up the match and stops it you have to have a winner and a loser and so what are you gonna do are you gonna shit all over the four women who have led your brand for all of the women out of the darkness or you know are you gonna do that in favor of these people who i mean you know Shayna baszler is freaking awesome like i love Shayna baszler i don't necessarily think that having her and ronda you know, I don't think that having the four horsewomen of MMA squash the four horsewomen of WWE is going to help them ingratiate themselves with the fans. And if you do it the other way around, then you've just said that all these badass MMA women who were very successful in their MMA careers aren't good enough to beat, like, you know, fake wrestlers. Right. Yeah, but that, and again, like that's it, that's weird. You can't do that. It, like either way, <laughs> you you lose. You fuck it up either way. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. This is the trouble with having the kayfabe world of pro wrestling. If that happened in the 1960s, clearly it wouldn't because women weren't allowed in wrestling in the 1960s. But right, obviously, they didn't invent women until like 1975. No, except for Mildred Burke, she was the only woman allowed. Um, only joking, but you know it. Literally, they kicked her out of the NWA. Um, um, but when she was a major draw, anyway, that's a whole other thing. But you know, I'm, I'm still bitter about things that happened 70 years ago or 20 years before I was born. Um, but yeah, if that happened in the 60s and you'd have the kayfabe world, of course, the, the wrestlers would have beaten the shit out of the mixed martial artists to prove that wrestling was superior and you'd have gotten away with it. You can't right. do that now. <laughs> no. Because it's no longer the toughest game in town. And therefore, you're absolutely right. You are stuck. You cannot have fake wrestlers beat MMA stars. It's unrealistic. However, why would you spend millions of dollars developing these incredible professional wrestlers and then bury them? That doesn't make any sense either. So you're screwed either way. Especially when WWE fails to invest in all the other women that work for them. Like, yeah. like I, uh, Sasha Banks is one of my favorite wrestlers. I think she's one of the best in the game right now. I think she's one of the best in the world. Don't at me. I don't care if you disagree. It's fine. <laughs> but I, you're, I'm not going to change my opinion about that. Like, it's just, it's, it's set in stone for me. And um, she's incredible. But I totally see where people are coming from when, um, before the way they booked her this past, you know, like a year or two before the pandemic, I totally see why there were people who were like, I love Sasha, but I don't necessarily want to see her in a feud with that other woman because Sasha's going to do what she can to put that other woman over, but then WWE is not going to do anything with that other woman once she gets put over. Mm. And you have the same problem with Charlotte. You don't have as much of that problem with Bailey. They've, they've really figured out how to use Bailey to put over good baby faces. And that's awesome. 
but you have um and when becky was still there becky was the focal point of so 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 much and they weren't necessarily developing all these other really talented women who were in some cases you know very ready for the spotlight so that when becky left there wouldn't be like any kind of a void there you know yeah. i mean like sasha yeah. and bailey together kind of had to step up to fill that void because that's how much vince mcmahon doesn't know how to book asuka um yeah or io shirai like it's just <laughs> it's, they they don't invest in their talent so they've got these four women they've invested in and they've got all their eggs in one basket so you can't take them all out with a sledgehammer it's not it's not a good idea no and it is as well it's the I mean, at least they did four at once and got four people over. But yeah. it, but it is like worth the debt. This is exactly what happened in the Attitude Era. You get the Sting and Sting, sorry, Sting, Austin and The Rock over. The two, literally, the two greatest draws in professional wrestling history. Mm-hmm. They were incredibly lucky to have them, but there was a big drop off between them and Mick Foley. As much as I love Mick Foley, Cactus Jack right. is one of my favorite wrestlers. He's one of my favorite guys. He's a guy I followed throughout his career from being. A young guy in the USWA. Yeah. Badass deathmatch wrestler. But, however, he was not the star quality they were, and they made him, they got him over enough to make it work. So you had three guys who could more or less carry the company. But when they were gone, there was a big long drop off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and it's the, it's the, and now the company's kind of still suffering from it until they kind of fixed it by saying, hey, WWE is the attraction, not the wrestlers. And I do think they've learned their lesson to a certain extent because, you know, Becky got over by being Becky and not doing as she was told and figuring out a way of making it work on her own because she realized she was never going to get the help. And I think Roman Reigns, they've kind of let him do his thing. And all of a sudden, this guy who was hated as a babyface is suddenly massively popular as a heel. Oh, because, he's so good as a heel. I, yeah. I never want him to go back. I, I want him to be an insecure, like, it's just the fact that the fact that Roman Reigns can look the way he looks and have had the career that he's had and have so many plot lines that revolve around him being insecure about protecting his spot is just fucking great. I just, I love that so much. I'm like, in what universe does that guy have to worry about where his next paycheck is coming from? But it's still so deliciously dramatic to watch. It's so much fun. I hope they never change it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's like, oh, it worked with her, so maybe it'll work with him. Oh. So, yeah, but it is actually managed to, you know, um, actually, like, show that actually if we give people slight inches of creative freedom, and it is just because, like, Becky was smart enough to understand, hey, I'm going to have to take this opportunity to under Rousey with both hands. Otherwise, someone is going to take it from me, and I don't want that to happen. You know? Yeah. Uh, and that's it. You know, it's... Um, I mean, they still tried to screw it up as much as they possibly could. <laughs> I mean, I also think that, that they... You know, Vince's desire to over-push Charlotte actually worked to Becky's favor because they're such good friends in real life, and Charlotte would, in real life, my impression mm. of her is that she never she does not seem like anyone who would ever try to sideline Becky or or bump Becky down the card somehow to protect her own spot. I mean, she's Charlotte Flair. She doesn't have to do that. She knows she's one of Vince's favorites. So yeah. so and they have great matches together. So, I mean, they're they're 
match on the Evolution card, like, Becky beat the fake lashes off of Charlotte. And then we were supposed to be excited about Nikki and Ronda. And it was like, mm, guys. Yeah. Guys. You set yourself <laughs> up for failure there. Come on. Yeah, and it, it is just like, there was no need to have Charlotte in that main event with Ronda Rousey and Becky. Just no need whatsoever. She was window dressing, and I think Charlotte kind of understood it and kept out the road. <laughs> you know, yeah. to an extent. As much as yeah. she was a presence in the match, she also, I've seen her wrestle better matches just by doing, being more into the match, but she was not. She, yeah. Becky was the star. Charlotte was had no need to be there whatsoever, and she understood that and kept the best that she possibly could out of the way. I suppose yep. it was handy to have two veterans to help Ronda go through the motions of the particular match, but that yeah. did yeah, no. <laughs> not in yeah, the modern no, day and age. They did not need to do it that way. No. And you're right, Charlotte really made sure that Becky had the floor and it was good. Yes. Uh in brighter news, uh Drake Younger uh also was fired good white supremacist. <sighs> Are you guys over in the UK, are you guys familiar with QAnon and how batshit it is? Can you say that again, sorry? Oh, um, over in the UK, I don't know what the level of understanding about QAnon is. Like, is everybody oh, yeah, no, no. familiar with how completely batshit we, it is? We are familiar with it, plus we have our, our own brand of stupidity as well. So it's not quite as in-depth, because it's obviously American politics-centric. However... Right. If you open up your Facebook feed, your Uncle Dave is probably battering on about the fact that um, dogs have gone missing all over the country during lockdown and it's the government's fault. Okay. It's like, it's like, it's like my cousin, this is this true story. My cousin, who's a lovely person and normally is just very sensible, read this post on Facebook about how hundreds of dogs, dogs have gone missing in Humberside, which is the region I live in. Uh, hundreds of dogs have gone missing in Humberside in the last six months. Hundreds of thousands. Is that even nearly, true? Nearly, nearly thousands of dogs. No, it's not true as well. Because her husband uh, rang the rang North Lincolnshire um, dog warden and asked, and they went for. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "All right then, okay, yeah." So absolutely not true, but because it's on Facebook, it must be true. Yeah. So that's yep. the Yeah, uh, I'm going to go ahead and recommend the HBO documentary um, Into the Storm about QAnon if anyone wants to get a sense of who the guys are that were most likely running that thing. Um, yeah. It's, and there's also a really good uh, podcast called, um, I want to say True Anon. It's not True Anon. There's a really good podcast about it, and I can't remember the name of it. I'm going to have to look it up later, and you can put it in the show notes. That has followed the evolution of the QAnon movement and is basically just like three guys shooting the shit about how ridiculous QAnon is and unpacking it in their typical witty fashion. I don't know. It's good. Um, yeah, uh, the, fact that, the fact that Drake works... Was, is that how they were saying it? Or... Yes, yes. Yeah, Wurtz is his, real, is his uh, given name, yeah. Yeah, the fact that he was allowed to use his work email to try to um, funnel money into a QAnon-owned charity, the fact that he got WWE wrestlers to do 
a little social media promotion for that charity. The fact that that charity, um, I believe it does have 501c3 status. I think uh, Operation Underground Railroad does have an official nonprofit status, but they also have no proof of any of their claims about how they've rescued children from human trafficking or sex media accounts that you can find on Instagram and Twitter that exist just to debunk pretty much every claim they make. Yes. Um, the fact that it is so unsubstantiated and the fact that nobody fired him just for doing that, or the fact that he made the white pride symbol in a photo where he's standing next to two black people he worked with is just, is just flooring to me. I mean, I know that I know that uh, everyone who runs WWE has a conservative bent, but come on, guys. How how did you think that one was going to go? Like, did yeah. they really expect any of the Black wrestlers who work for them or any of the other, like, the Black people who work for WWE to be able to trust him after he took a photo where he was making the white pride symbol? I'm, I'm not like, being funny. What the fuck is that? When Dave Bixenspan sent them an email saying, why is this guy working for you? Because he's done this, this, and this, and basically listed everything you've just said. And well done to Bix for staying on top of this story and making yes. it public as much as he possibly can. Um, yes. And I thank him for that. Um, and I've talked to him about it because we follow each other on Twitter and we do talk about these stories a lot of the time um, because it's kind of Bix's thing. Um, yep. He... Why wasn't he fired then? Or at least, why wasn't there an investigation then? Why wasn't there just like, well, well, really? Well, we should have a look at this. I'm very sorry. And, you know, all the usual platitudes of PR, PR exercise you, that you would normally expect from any wrestling company or any organization that has accidentally employed a white supremacist. Because Drake Younger or Jake Wirtz was not like this when he was hired by the company a few years ago. He right. he, he so was... Sad. He was he was widely considered to be a wrestling success story, the deathmatch kid that got a job with the big company. You know, that's yeah. that that's uh, and, and the they got through a meth addiction. Like meth yeah. meth is is a terrifying, terrifying drug. And being addicted to it, um supposedly the recovery period where you're still going through withdrawal, the the symptoms of withdrawal from it are bad enough that people who try to do that unmedicated can die. Yeah. Like it is just, it's just horrible, you know? And all these, all these wrestlers said the same thing to David Bixon's fan. Apparently he's been saying that on Twitter, that all mm. these wrestlers who knew him when he was on the Indies, when he had this drug addiction, they were so proud of their friend for coming through this and, you know, triumphing over his demons. And they don't recognize that person in him any longer. He's just, he's gone so far off the rails. Yeah, it's, it's really quite sad, but awful as well at the same time. He needs, I hate to use the word deprogramming, but yes. Yeah. And this is, this is the thing, there is nothing wrong with having, being a conservative, and there is nothing wrong with being a conservative person and having conservative opinions. This is not that. This is a whole other level of denial of reality, let's be honest, that really... I mean, I think conservatism is a denial of reality, but yeah, uh, but yeah this, well, is, this is really beyond the pale. No, we're, we're not talking run-of-the-mill Cindy McCain kind of GOP here. You know, like, the GOP kind of thinks they would like... To, some of the members of the GOP would like to think they used to be like... They were never like that, but generally speaking, I understand what they're saying. 
that not that stuff. We're talking like seriously crackpot ideas about how the country is run. Um, you know, bearing you in mind that, that little kids shouldn't wear masks because wearing masks makes them more likely to be vulnerable to sex traffickers who will kidnap them because it covers their faces. He's never really fully explained that, but he did log on to a Seminole County uh, town meeting, I think, and started sobbing in his WWE referee uniform, talking about this, try to convince them to lift the mask mandate in Seminole County. Yeah. And just insane stuff. And yeah, it's really sad. Uh, the other big release this week, from what we understand, no one's really kind of said anything, is that Velveteen Dream has hopefully gone from WWE. That's, that's another one where um, I, I don't understand, because I'm not a lawyer, I don't know what the legal authority was that WWE had to investigate the allegations against him, right? I don't know to the extent that they were allowed to be like, we're going to take your hard drive and go through all your social media like we're the feds. But um, if someone who worked for me uh, was accused of all of that stuff and didn't have anything credible to say in their own defense or didn't have any evidence that the evidence against them was faked, I can't see keeping that person on my payroll. No. Especially if I had the legal and financial resources that WWE would have had in the See, event this, that he had sued them. This is the thing. I from one one some somebody's theory on Twitter, which I which is reasonable, I guess, was that Velveteen Dream had a really good lawyer and basically used Florida employment law, which I can probably make a guess as isn't particularly robust, um, to argue that they had to hire him because there'd been no criminal investigation against him. Um and I would say that's a reasonable thing to do if it was a smaller company. If that was Impact, say, I'd say yes, because Impact can't afford big fancy lawyers. But WWE right. literally have warehouses full of big fancy lawyers. So, you WWE know, WWE yeah. literally has managed to get judges to say that their employment contracts with the wrestlers are not illegal, despite the fact that they are illegal. Yeah, so, exactly. They so have the resources I, I, to make things like that happen, but they didn't have the resources to fight Velveteen Dream in court while he was on their payroll? Are you kidding me? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. No, so I don't know what went on with that, but he quietly slipped away into the night, which is no bad thing, necessarily. So, And I could understand no. them not wanting to make a fuss about it, which is, it draws attention to them in a negative way, and it draws attention to him in a negative way, and I'm sure they would be quite happy if he went and, you know, Worked at Seven Eleven rather than ever working wrestling again, and I think we'd all be happy. I mean, my team. thing is, they're allowed to fire anybody else at any time they want to. They get rid of people who are demonstrably successful all the time. Yeah, they asked um, Billy Kay right yeah. when she was in the middle of. I mean, she had just been featured on WrestleMania being really funny, and literally yeah. the next day they they fired her. Like they, it they, just it just doesn't make any sense. They fired the Good Brothers. The day after they headlined WrestleMania, yeah, yep. like uh, <laughs> yep. like it's like the equivalent of firing Andre the Giant the day after WrestleMania three. <laughs> I really think that they thought that this was going to go away. That's what yeah. I think. I think they thought 
that the internet was going to try to forget that that guy, there were voicemails that sounded like him where he was saying uh, suggestive things to minors. They were, you know, the people were going to forget about those DMs and text messages. Mm. And there was one of those, one of those DM conversations we saw video of, which I'm not saying you can't fake that, but it is harder to fake than just a screenshot. Um, And that there were at least three or four people, I think, that came forward about him saying suggestive things to them while they were underage and while he knew they were underage. Yeah. And they thought that fans were just going to like brush that under the carpet. And then I think they realized that that wasn't going to happen because the wrestlers wouldn't let it go. The last time he wrestled on television and he got, I think he got buried really bad, something like that. Um, The wrestlers, this was during the period where they were doing NXT shows at full sale, but the wrestlers were the only people in the crowd. So they weren't having live audiences. Yeah. And um, the wrestlers were not reacting to him at all. Nothing he did ever. Like they were just completely silent the whole time and making disapproving faces that WWE had to try very hard not to show on camera. So I think when they realized that none of the wrestlers trusted him or wanted to work with him, that his time was done and that the fans weren't just going to let it go. And the fact that they thought people were going to let that shit go to begin with is just disgusting. And it also explains why Matt Riddle is still on their payroll because they think that we're all just going to forget that he sexually assaulted someone. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the, that's the issue. And Riddle is so happy as well. So that's, that he's, which also doesn't make any sense because I know that guy has a lot more money than Velveteen Dream probably did. I mean, I think he's a, a millionaire several times over, but I'm sorry. There's no way that he has the legal resources to fight WWE in court, and no, I, I meant, he's I meant, dropped I, the lawsuits. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I would say he's so happy of the people who've accused him of stuff, not necessarily the WWE. Sure, he is, but he also dropped those lawsuits. Yeah, because, because the he... evidence that he brought to court was ridiculous. David Bixenspan wrote about that too. And and props to him again for, for staying on that story and really um making sure that he disseminates information, not just behind a paywall on yeah. his on his Patreon, but really tries to get that out in public. That none of Riddle's evidence that he was being stalked by Candy or that he had, you know, didn't have an affair with her, none of that evidence holds up at all. Because it no. all just looks crap. But Matt Riddle's still on the WWE payroll because they think that we're all just going to forget that. Yeah. Anyway, let's get the other bad news, well, the news out of the way whilst we're on the particular subject, you know, of white supremacists and stuff. Um, mm. The IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Osprey, um, mm-hmm. did actually, uh, what's the word there, relinquish the Heavyweight Championship this week after uh, a serious injury worry. And that's understandable given the situation that he's currently in. Um, He was obviously due to defend the title at the Tokyo Dome in May, but those shows, the Wrestle Grand Slam series uh, that was supposed to be going through May 15th to 29th um, was cancelled because of a COVID outbreak in in Japan and the certain states are, or some prefectures I should say, uh, restricting access to events. And the full schedule had to be rescheduled for the 22nd, which is yesterday. So as we record, this will be earlier on Monday morning. So that so that will be Saturday. So they opened up shows again this week. Um, 
Osprey's had a debilitating injury for quite some time, apparently, and just having it's to a wait. Neck another... injury? Yeah, it's a neck injury. And he's been dropped on his neck hundreds of times. And we were discussing this quite a bit in the last few weeks. Like the main event of the last show was 45 minutes long. The main event before that was quite long as well when he took the title. You know, this is the issue we have with the length of matches at the moment with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like everything has to be 40 minutes long isn't great for the wrestlers. And this is an example of that. Right. Now, obviously, everyone on the Troopany Show crew has had negative things to say about Osprey because he's not a nice person. I'm sure none of us want to see him injured or anyone have a career-threatening injury, obviously, ever. And no, that's the way it is. You know, that's the, that's the thing. None of us would wish this on anyone. And I hope he has a, a good recovery and he's safe. He's still not a nice person. His character is not a nice character. It's quite clearly a white supremacist nationalist character based on... Uh, Various different bits and pieces. It's really difficult to tell because his character is really bad. <laughs> mm. he, he's gone from being like a Cray twins psycho killer to this. Oh, I don't know how to describe it, but you know, wearing polo shirts and throwing up white boy, uh, sorry, uh, proud boys signs during photo shoots. Oh, did he if, really? Well, they're not exactly that way, but you know, if you hold three fingers up around your waistband, what are people going to think? Yeah, that's a, I mean, so that's a thing in the UK, right? Like, it's reasonable to assume he would know about that? Probably not, but the they did a line of shirts which are like Fred Perry shirts, which mm-hmm. if you're uninitiated with British culture, Fred Perry style shirts um, got associated with skinheads in the 1970s. Now, there's two oh. types of, yeah, now, now there's two types of skinheads. There's the friendly, scar-loving, Caribbean music-loving type non-racist in fact anti-racist skinheads and there's the national front skinheads um and that's where fred perry shirts got really associated with that particular movement um and yeah and it's it's just not it it's it's enough to understand that it could just be ignorance on the part of japanese company not understanding british culture and certainly osprey just not being intelligent enough to realize that um what he was doing was a bit wrong there is deniability about it, but equally, it's all a bit too on the edge of my particular taste. Also, wasn't part of his character, and I haven't watched New Japan in a very long time, so so full disclosure there. Um, I've mm-hmm. seen this on Twitter, but I'm not super familiar with it firsthand. Wasn't part of his character that he was abusing his girlfriend? Um, yeah, I'll put, put layer that on top. <laughs> yeah, that's but, not cool. That's no, not cool. If we're, none of this if we're is giving cool. him the benefit of the doubt about the white supremacist stuff, the idea that he was treating Bia horribly on on well, TV. He, that's he, that's not good. He gave her an Oscar after he won the world after he won the New Japan Cup, and she's never been seen on New Japan television ever again. And then she also resigned from stardom. There is rumors that she's got a deal with WWE NXT UK, which should be interesting. Um, because she wants to move back to what the UK. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry? Oh, so she's moving back to the UK even though he lives in Tokyo. Yeah, which I don't know. I mean, no, no one's seen anything, but then again, no, I don't think they're due for NXT tapings for a while. Um, I mean, B's okay. She's not former stardom champion, but, you know, mm. equally, but then again, you know, 
it's like she was top gauging for the company at the time, so it's kind of gonna happen. Um, mm. I think she she's... took him out of her Instagram profile. Yeah. Um, not to say she's not following him. I, I haven't checked that. Um, but she she took the thing about being his missus out of her Instagram profile. That's interesting. Yeah, which is, you know, there's, there's a whole other bunch of stuff. But, yeah, she's, I don't know, she's talented. She's smart. She'd be an asset in a company. I don't think she's as good as most of the wrestlers in WWE NXT UK. Because that no. women's roster in that women's roster in WWE NXT UK is one of the best in the world. Like people like Isla Dawn and Mako Satmora, Kaylee Ray, Viper, who they yeah. seem to have forgotten about. She hasn't been on TV in weeks. You know, if the, if you can afford to warehouse somebody like Viper because you've got too much talent, they've got Millie McKenzie, they've got yep. a bunch of people. Then yeah, you they've got then, uh, Ginny Couture. She's quite good. Yeah, um, that to be honest, you could like. They don't need her. Essentially, it's yeah. the stardom. It's the stardom and Sendai girls roster of two years ago. <laughs> Basically, and yeah. B B wasn't good enough for that roster then. So, and they've all got better. Plus, all the young guy, young girls have come up, like uh, Valkyrie, who's amazing. You know. So what? The one thing I'll say in her, that I like about her as a wrestler is that she's physically stronger than she looks like she should be. She can yeah. pick people up and move them around very 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 easily without hurting herself and without hurting them but uh she doesn't sell she doesn't sell for anybody and not just even in matches where there's not like a definitive heel persona reason for her to be you know the badass aggressor like it's just it's like she thinks she doesn't have to do it because she's better than that or something. I don't know. Or maybe she was just never taught to. It just, Mm -hmm. it doesn't, that's the thing about her wrestling that doesn't click for me. Yeah, I think, well, yeah, I mean, I talked to, I talked to her about it a few years ago um, because I interviewed her for Total Wrestling back in the Mm -hmm. day when I first started doing um, the the women's female focus column there. And she told me, I can do uh, deadlift Germans all day doesn't bother me. And if you ever try to lift somebody up who's like called into a ball, you'll yeah. find it's not that particularly easy. Is there? Yeah, right? she's very, she's very strong. That was yeah. I've seen her wrestle up close because she was at the Stardom New York City show that they did that um, Mania weekend. Uh, yeah, in 2019 or 2018, I guess. And yeah. um, I, you know, I was I was quite impressed by her physical strength and her athleticism, but. But yeah, something about her as a wrestler doesn't click for me. I saw her, I saw her wrestle Erin Angel, I think it was at Progress in Manchester. Oh no, Progress in Sheffield a few years ago, and Osprey watched her every move from the balcony. So mm-hmm. he, he has been really invested in her career and has really helped her out an awful lot. I don't think necessarily all of that advice has been great because she was she started doing slap kicks because of Will, and that's like the wrestling business is kind of getting away from that. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, but that's a stylistic thing. I don't think she. I don't think she's awful by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm not convinced she's. It's it's one of them things. She is kind of like the the Takoko in a way of this particular generation. You've got a generation of women wrestlers on the indies and in Japan and in North America and in Europe who are a generation better than they were ten years ago. And she. Yeah. Whereas if she'd come along in 2005, 
she's been a standout. If you see what I mean. I do. But yes, moving back to moving back to New Japan. Obviously, Ospreys is out of the picture for the time being um, and needs time to recover, um, which leaves us with a blank space, which is the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, which has been a cursed belt, essentially, since its inception um, after mm. the New Japan Cup final, uh, when Kota Ibushi uh, lost it in his first defense to Will Ospreay. Um, it's a belt no one wanted. Which, why did they do that? Um, they're trying to kind of... Why did of they do that? I don't know. I, Ibushi, me and Christy have discussed this a lot. We think Ibushi's had a rum deal since Wrestle Kingdom. Of course, he has the big match win against NATO. That was amazing. He has this incredible yeah. match against Jay White. And those are both massive, long, epic matches, back-to-back, night-to-night. And with the... There is nothing we, I, I would say there's nothing wrong with those two matches going long. The first one, obviously, you've got mm. to beat NATO, who's the world, who's the IWGP heavyweight champion. He's the best the company right. has to offer, and he's been a dominant champion who's dropped the title and got it back in the previous 12 months. And then you go to the circling shark, Jay White, arguably the best defensive wrestler in the world, and certainly the best defensive wrestler on your roster, with the possible exception of Tanga, um, Tamatonga. If that's what he's built mm-hmm. as, right? So, you know, of course that's going to take a long time because Jay's going to pick him apart for 45 minutes to try and get the win. But those are long matches on a guy who's in his late 30s and who has right. literally bounced himself across the continent for the last 20 years. As much as I love Cody... Hasn't he had two neck surgeries? Yeah. As much as I love Coach Rabushi, you cannot do that to your body. Um, you know, uh, and expect to get away with it. And then he has other long matches. That match he had with Desperado was arguably the best match of his reign, but that should have been the standard, not the exception. You know, of course, the heavyweight champion is going to put away the junior heavyweight champion in 25 minutes, but that's the match he should have been having with other people too. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's that's it. And I think Osprey's had the same problem. Osprey takes that epic win. And then he wrestles Shingo, and I love Shingo. Shingo's amazing. He's an absolute workhorse. It's yeah, a he's great. Sell. It's a curtain seller every time Shingo's in a wrestling ring. All the wrestlers want to see how he's going to do. But there's no way your new dominant world heavyweight champion who's just blitzed through the New Japan Cup and buried Kota Ibushi should be wrestling an upper mid-carder for 45 minutes. He should have hammered him and put him away in 18. Because yeah. that's the story you tell to make your dominant champion seem dominant. You don't have 45 minutes of bapping about. <laughs> Especially with your new champion who's not used to that position and can't sell. <laughs> I feel like New Japan has lost the plot in a big way. I just The last couple of times I tried to watch it, I wasn't enjoying it. I think we, we, we've banged on about how me and John and Christy have banged on about the main event uh, okay. shit for so long. But there's plenty of stuff to enjoy. It's just not in the main event. There's cool stuff in New Japan right. for wrestling, but there's just not cool stuff in the main event because of that. And, right. you know, the, there's also, I mean, like the general like gist of what's going on in New Japan seems unsettled, to say the least. Isa, who's a photographer, she said she's actually in the U.S. Army, um, but she's a big New Japan fan and she's been a photographer of Japanese wrestling for years. She pointed out on Twitter... Um, 
a few months ago uh, when Ibushi like wants to get rid of the Intercontinental Championship and merge the championships. So she and she said, and quite rightly said, so DDT boy gets to decide what happens to the World Championship. And she, she said she was joking about it, but that's the way fans felt. You know, there's this World Championship. The fans like the Intercontinental Championship. They like the Double Championship. They wanted to keep both. The fans don't right. like it. Ibushi gets lumbered with this idea of pitching it to the fans. And the, clearly, Ibushi was a babyface when he went into the Wrestle Kingdom. And he comes out losing to, losing to Osprey. And no one really was that bothered because he's a heel now. <laughs> because he's taken away with what the fans wanted. The fans didn't yeah. want it. When the fans start agreeing with Jay White, a guy they literally walked out on a year ago. Right. You know, when Jay White... Not a good exited, sign. It's not a good sign. And it means the fans... And it's like... The the end, the Barina fans loved Jingo and Osprey, And I can understand why. It wasn't my cup of tea because of the people involved. And it was, from what I understand, I almost bored the pants off me. But it was a good, solid match. And the fans really enjoyed it. But equally, that's not the story everywhere in the world. You right. Know, it was a controversial choice as heavyweight champion, to say the least. And New Japan will just ignore it because it doesn't really matter. It doesn't affect their home audience. That's that's what they wanted, and that's fine. It's their company to do with as they wish. However, you know, it's just all of this mess. But then again, like, you guys don't at... be WWE. Care about what the fans are reacting to and what they're not reacting yeah. to, so that they'll keep watching your product. But then you've got Despy wins the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, and that was awesome. And you got you had Despy versus Yo lined up for this tour, but that can't happen because a lot of the Suzuki Gun guys and the Chaos guys got COVID because of one wrestling match, right? Um, you know, and and the vaccine rollout's been a lot slower in Japan than it's been in other places because the government's been hesitant to, or they were more hesitant than they were in many other places to approve a vaccine for emergency use, yeah. and they're now paying for it. Yeah. Uh, I do actually have the New Japan testing policy in front of me. In light of this news, all of those who are close contact with infected parties, in addition to every wrestler on the roster, receive PCR tests with further seven wrestlers testing positive. All those tested positive are experiencing mild symptoms or are asymptomatic. According to the protocols and under medical advice, all are isolating and receive appropriate treatment. New Japan has currently implemented COVID-19 policy drawn up under expert advice and guidance. It includes daily temperature and blood oxygen saturation checks as well as PCR testing. All attendees are temperature screened on entry to venues, masks are required during training and backstage, and packaged food is provided in order to limit unnecessary movement outside. However, we take these developments extremely seriously and working to further strengthen our COVID-19 countermeasures in the future. So, you know, New Japan do take these things incredibly seriously. Um, but it has kind of scuppered their plans because half their roster is out of order. They can't work for... Yeah. And... With all the lockdowns, they can't go do the shows that they wanted to do. But that kind of puts us in the place of, so who's going to be the next IWGP World's Heavyweight Champion, and does anyone want it? Right. <laughs> you know, this, right. this, is, this is the thing. You know, it's like, um, I mean, he also had great matches. Jay White taking in the Never Openweight Championship from Tanahashi was great. But again, it's like, there's another 45-minute main event when the yeah, Never Openweight title was always these 16 to 20-minute bangers with, you know, ridiculously hard-hitting matches. We're getting, essentially, the Never Openweight title has now become what the Intercontinental title was, so why did you get rid of it? 
yeah, you know, it's like, um, where's the where's the title? Like all the thick necked guys are going to go after. <laughs> we're going to go like people forearming each other for fifteen minutes solid. No, we're not going to get that anymore. So it's like, ah, oh, that's kind of like the, the yeah. But there you are. Um, so yeah, I and I don't know who wants to take that title in a minute. I don't know who you put it on. Arcade is the obvious guy because he might be able to write the ship. You know, he's the he's not a mega drawer in the same way that NATO is, or you know, uh, that kind Which of is thing. So funny. Yeah. Which isn't that weird? Isn't that yeah? Not what you would have expected like five years ago or three years ago. He's like, well, I mean, he can be if he's given the time to do it. Like. He's the consistent yeah. draw. You know, he's the same, he's in the same position Tanahashi was 10 years ago. They go to him to steady the ship, to close slowly tick over, get more right. people in, get more people in, get more people in. But if you want a big house, you get NATO. That's that's the thing. You know, NATO's mm. instant popularity. But a NATO isn't instant popularity like house show to house show. You know, if you reach to Tanahashi right. does Tanahashi does an interview on um on newjapan1972.com and he talks about his career and he was saying like in 2011, 2012 they were going to shows and there was only 75 people in the building and he'd say right next time 150 and they'd go back and there'd be 100 so right next time 200 and that was that was his philosophy for about three years in his first title run mm. and that was what he did to the point where Keiji Muto actually took him aside one night and said, you have to calm down or you'll kill yourself doing this. <laughs> you know. Which coming coming from, consider the source there, like, dang. Yes, you know, 58-year-old Kiyeji Muto, global honoured crown champion who just had another bloodbath this morning. Yes, him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. So, but Akada's that guy, and Akada's quite willing to do that. He was very proud of his work on the American expansion when they went to Dallas for the G1. And, you know, he was, he was there. I think, you know, a lot of like praise goes to the elite for that particular growth period in new Japan history. But if you don't have a card, it doesn't happen. It just doesn't. Yeah. You know, that's that he's one of those guys. The card will go down as a glue guy who keeps the company together. And as was Tanahashi and as was Muto before him and Kojima was, were all Japan yeah. early 2000. He doesn't seem like he has the desire to go anywhere else ever either. Like yeah. he's he's in it for the long haul. No, I mean the, I, from what I understand, Meltzer reported about six or seven years ago that WWE offered him three three million or something like that to go, and he kind of went, "Yeah, thanks very much." Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean he doesn't need it. No, he doesn't. You can he can earn just as much money in Japan and be home five nights a week. Yep. I also yeah. think I think his wife is a TV star, successful yeah. actress, successful TV hostess. I think. Um, yeah. I, I I do not think he needs the money. No, or has the inclination to do it. It's not like Nakamura yep. was look, Nakamura was looking for a new challenge, and he left the company. Right. Good. He, he said in interviews he left New Japan in good hands. You know, there was Tanahashi there, Okada was right. there. Japan wasn't right. going to fall on his ass because Nakamura had left for WWE. You know, he wasn't right. leaving them in lurch. They didn't need him, and he needed a new challenge. Um, I wonder how he feels about that now. I, 
I mean, at the minute, he's doing quite well on TV and, and probably is quite content. He did an interview about it this week, but I didn't see get a chance to read all of it. But, oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. I do know that it, this week, with with all of the guys being in Florida, uh, they went to drop by Kojima and... Uh, that's one thing we're going to talk about at the end to finish the show off, but I, I believe Kojima and Nagata went and dropped in on Shinsuke and Kushida this week because they live in Florida. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> And as they like were doing that. impact tapings and stuff. Yeah, that was really cool. There's pictures did you, of um, Did you see Nagata's match on AEW, by the way? I haven't seen it. I've been saving it. I haven't seen it. I know he lost because it's obvious. I don't want to see Nagata. But, no, you know, no. it was like, it's I really, love... It's really enjoyable. It's short. It's like eight minutes long. But it's just so fun. It's just really, really fun. And, you know, there's, like, some moments in it that are a little messy. Like, you can tell they didn't get a ton of ring time beforehand, and they were probably just doing a lot of it on the fly. But, and you can tell also that Mox is trying not to beat him up too bad, probably, out of a, you know. I mean, not that Mox is, like, a guy who's going to stiff you anyway, but you can tell he's really pulling. But it was still (laughs) still really fun. The crowd was so hot and like, you know, they bowed to each other at the end. Very nice little show of respect. It was really, really cool. I really enjoyed it. I think it was Nagata's first appearance on TNT in 22 years. Yeah. Yeah. And they said that. And that was cool. Yeah. Because he was a WCW guy back in the day. And Um, Mox's entrance music is, uh, is Wild Thing now. Yeah, started with that match. He walked out to it, and I asked Twitter. I said, "Has he been using that for, for a while?" And they're like, "No, this is the first time, and that's his entrance music now." I said on Twitter this week that uh, they should persuade Combat Toyota out of retirement, and then they get Anita to come and and to promote FMWE uh, as his new promotion, and they mm. could they could have a six man intergender tag with whoever, but then they could play Wild Thing three times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Just combat combat Toyota comes out, wild thing, and then and then Anita comes out, wild thing, and then Moxley comes out, wild thing, just do it the same. Not not all together, just do the same song three times in a row. That would be amazing. No one's done that. Yeah. They should do that. That's some good trolling. I like it. Yes, that would be ace. But um yeah, uh yeah, it's intriguing that he chose that as his and absolutely correct as well. And the, a lot of people were getting it from the major league reference, which is one of my favorite films. Um, for, the, for those of you who've never seen it, it's 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 the actual like the perfect sports movie. Like I can quote like mm. I, I this sounds really bizarre, but I actually did my master's degree dissertation on the history of sports movies, which literally <laughs> makes me one of the world's great experts on sports movies because <laughs> I've got academic <laughs> qualifications for it. Yeah, you know, because it's like when when they were doing like, what what do you want to do your dissertation on? Sports movies, and they were like, really? <laughs> no one wants. And yet, to... and yet, you spend a large portions of your life watching a fake sport that's not really a sport. Yeah, that's it. Of course, I'm going to do sports movies. That's that's what <laughs> it's about. Narrative story storytelling about sports. That's more interesting yes. than sports. <laughs> yeah, but also you get you get to relive stuff. I mean, like. Literally, Ford versus Ferrari is like one of my favorite films ever because it's the film I wanted someone to make forever. Like Carol Shelby, it's it's got all of those characters of sixties racing: Enzo Ferrari, Henry Ford II, Carol Shelby. <laughs> if you can't make an interesting film with those three people, 
you should not be making films. <laughs> mm. You know, it's like it's such the right story to tell, and it's like that. that then they dramatized it really, really well. Just like the entire concept of, you know, you don't get that kind. You do. So I think this is the trouble. Is I suppose it's it's romanticizing the past in that way, but you don't get like that kind of attitude in modern thinking anymore because. Things just that, that you know you can't imagine the boss of Ford shutting down the entire factory to say you know um, well not getting the entire like management team of Ferrari into a room and saying I want to win Le Mans here is a blank checkbook go win Le Mans mm. that wouldn't happen now it did it, it it came I mean to be honest to be honest on the fiftieth anniversary they took a class victory in about we're on six months of preparation and they threw money at it but in in the greater scheme of things they didn't spend anywhere near as much money as henry ford ii did in the 1960s but that story you know there, there you go and of course i do i watch wrestling because it's it's a predetermined finish it's a cinematic story that you can tell in a match but the daft thing is i don't really like watching cinematic style wrestling because hmm. it's not real enough for me it takes me out the moment yeah and I think that's the thing. I think if you can keep me in the moment, I'm quite happy. Mm. But anywho, yes. We should, we should talk about the, the old fellas, as it were, coming to America. Um, you know, which is a film that they're going to have a sequel of that out soon, I believe, as well. <laughs> Are they? I don't even, I don't watch TV anymore, really. So, yeah, apparently. I don't know what's being advertised. Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall are currently shooting Coming to America 2. Huh. Um, Oh, uh, um, Coming to America 2, I think, is out. Is out, yes. Sorry, it's been out. Yes, that's the thing. Not not currently. Not happening. Did happen. Has been out. See, I'm a bit behind. You see, I, like, Jane Silent Bob reboots come up on Netflix this week. Honestly thought that film was still in production. Actually, it was two years old. Huh. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> I was busy watching The Money Pit today which is on Netflix this week which is Steven Spielberg's one of Steven Spielberg's very few comedies and it's Tom Hanks and Shelley Long and they buy a house in upstate New York which just falls apart around their ears and it's just a, a comedy and it's like I sat and watched this because it's the kind of thing I used to get at the video store on a Sunday afternoon and watch by myself and I watched it again because it was a Sunday afternoon, and I had a lot of fun. Mm. But we're not talking about wrestling now, anyway, are we? Let's let's go back on. We've had a bit of a segue. There. I don't know how we got to that point. And um, yeah, Yuji Nagata and Satoshi Kojima have been on excursions this week. <laughs> we talked about Nagata. Show is uh, Kojima has gone to Impact Wrestling. Now we, there's a bit of a story going on here. Are you aware of the young lady, Miss Emily Pratt, of Fanbite? Um, vaguely. I, I know the name. I sort of know what she does. She used to write for Deadspin, I think, and she's very, very good. Um, not, not Deadspin. But yeah, it was Deadspin. She wrote, she wrote the New Japan stuff for Deadspin. I was going to um, say, I think it was Deadspin, yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, and funnily enough, one of those journalists who was not particularly treated very well by Deadspin. Um, and she, uh, we talked a while ago on t- over Twitter about the fact that like Kojima is one of the few people left who can actively win the Global Honor Crown Championship to make the full set of the uh, Triple Crown, the 
GHC Heavyweight Championship and the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. He's there's only well, well, just the three. There's only two people left who can win those titles. One is Kojima, and the other is Suzuki. And she explained this after Kiyoji Muto won the championship back in the spring. Um, and I jokingly said, because Muto did a press conference not long afterwards saying, people have been asking me to defend the title in Impact. And I jokingly said to Emily that, ha, 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 what they need to do is for Impact to request Kojima, and then he can wrestle Muto for the championship. There's your story. And Emily was like, ah, ha, ha, that would be great. And then Kojima got signed by Impact to come and do some shows this week. And we were like, oh, <laughs> it's happening. Don Callis has been reading our Twitter feed. <laughs> but amazing. You know, I, I, could, I could buy that. He spends a lot of time on Twitter for somebody who says he doesn't spend a lot of time on Twitter, I think. Yes, I think more, more so. <laughs> and amazingly, as well, Minoru Suzuki put his hat into the ring saying, I can win this. The IWGP World's Heavyweight Championship. So that kind of put the cat amongst the pigeons. Because if there was one guy who could really make that championship work as a new championship, and even it was just as a transitional period, Mm -hmm. Suzuki is the guy that embodies professional wrestling in Japan. Yeah. And he never won the big IWGP title. He's won the Triple Crown. He's won the Global Honor Crown. He never won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. In the company he started in, in the company he has so much history with, you know, and New Japan play with their history back and forth when they need to, when they don't need to. We can forget about the 30 years where you betrayed us, you know, because you're one of ours now again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I'm really intrigued, but I don't know who they put Suzuki up against for that match to work. Or if it was someone like Shingo, who could claim a match, but he's just lost two matches in a row to the former champion, I suppose he can't go with Shingo. And Akada was the next person. You could go with Suzuki and Akada, have Suzuki win the match, because he's never beaten Akada for a title. And then mm-hmm. then the chase is on, isn't it? All the way yeah. to the Kingdom. That would uh, be really, really fun. And I think that would be really interesting. I think... Because Suzuki, you can plug and play anywhere with no particular build-up or anything. You just like go, hey, here's Suzuki. Cheer. <laughs> and everyone goes, woo! And that's all you need to do. So that's Suzuki. And Kojima, I don't know what they're going to do with Kojima and Impact. I don't know how long he's stopping for. He obviously, it's probably about 12 episodes because they take forever for about a week right. uh, in Impact Wrestling. So, yeah. And unfortunately... For those of you, I don't want to spoil things, but uh, I was on this week's show anyway. I haven't seen it yet, but Finn Juice have lost the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Championships, sadly. Bummer. Bummer, because it was like, they are my favorite tag team in the world right now. But there you go. <laughs> just because, basically, because they, they just use everyone else's finish maneuvers. So they use the Doomsday device and the Heart Attack clothesline. <laughs> Basically, they fanboy out with all their tag finishes. That's basically all it is. All the teams they watched as kids, they use their finishes. So they, so they basically do the things the Bucks used to do, but with more joy than the Bucks used to have. Yes, because they are yeah. just like, yeah, they're just like, they're just the lads, aren't they? It's, 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 yeah. 
Dave Finley and Juice Robinson. They're the lads. <laughs> there is no. Do we, team... uh... Sorry, I was about to interrupt you. What were you going to say? I was going to say there are two no more wrestling type wrestlers than Finn Robinson, Juice Robinson, and Dave Finley. That's true. No, they are the lads. That's they're, it. They're wrestlers. Yeah, that's it. They 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 are really really good at what they do. And of course, here's the thing: Dave Finley has a win over the current never open weight champion, Jay White. So that's, that's the thing. This that's is an big possibility. This is Big Dave's main event push, and he had a semi-final in the he had a semi-final in the New Japan Cup, which he lost to Osprey, and he had the big win over um, uh, Jay White. So yeah, it's uh, all going to happen for Dave Finley, which I'm really pleased about because he's worked really really hard, and he is really really good. And he's like, for the last 18 months, he's really been on fire and looked like the guy that New Japan believed in when they signed him. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, he's kind of been like, he's a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> and now, yeah. I talked, so, well, I talked so much about Dave Finley and the New Japan Cup that Christy started calling it the Dave Finley show. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about Finley again then, are we? Yeah, okay, a little bit. I'll stop now. <laughs> but yeah. So that, yeah. Um, any other wrestling news you want to talk about? Do we know any actual concrete information about the rumors that there's heat with Kenny and the Bucks and Cody? That there's like some trouble in paradise there? Or is that just like a rumor that the Bucks made fun of on Twitter? I think it's a rumor the, fun, the fans, the books made fun of on Twitter. For those of you who don't know, the books have been changing their bios from a week to week basis. Uh, on speaking terms was one, I believe. Currently <laughs> not, not on speaking terms. terms yeah. yeah, which was a quote from one of the stories. I think I don't know. You have arguments with people you work with all the time, and I don't necessarily yeah. think it's unhealthy. Um, but the trouble is, wrestling journalism has got to the point of, and um, is that people think that. Watching everybody's waking move is wrestling news. Ah, uh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah like I know what you're talking about. This, I, I'm a I'm a women's gymnastics fan, and the same thing happens in gymnastics. Also. Yeah, but there's like this, like um, this. I can't remember. I think it was uh, Sean Ross had found somebody reported this. Well, Sean Ross is does get very annoyed, and quite rightly, because he is a good wrestling journalist, and he gets annoyed by bad journalism and bad news reporting. And he was, Britt Baker had said something. Oh yeah, that was it. Uh, Britt Baker had said on Twitter, in heel heat, in character, because she's really good at that. Mm-hmm. If Christian Cage gets a, a, an action figure before I do, I quit. And one website had said, Britt Baker threatens WWE Hall of Famer. And it's like, no, eh? <laughs> and Sean was pissed off at that and damn right he should be because that's just stupid and it gives wrestling journalism a bad name but that's the kind yeah. of thing that gets built up out of all proportion because it's like no, Britt Baker is a heel she's saying heelish things you clearly do not know the first thing about professional wrestling and shouldn't be owning a website because you're just making clickbait for the sake of clickbait you know, and it, it's like 
uh, wrestle talk this week as much as you know our former colleagues and a lot of people who work there are really cool they did uh, a story this week like a former AEW wrestler because it was a clickbait title AEW wrestler uh, thanks AEW for salvaging their career because they never thought they'd have a full, be able to wrestle full time. I'm like, I can think of 20 guys and girls on that roster who never thought they'd wrestle full time because that's what that company has done. It's given a lease of life to those careers, and that's incredible and it's really really cool. But you shouldn't make a clickbait clickbait headline out of it because that doesn't narrow it. Anything else we can think of that, that I'm I'm just looking through. There's nothing really else that's Really? Um, no, I think we're good. Um, yeah. It's been, I mean, we've talked about um, a lot of stuff um, this week about on the podcast about just generally rounding up wrestling. And there's been a lot of bad stuff that we've talked about that annoys us. Um, and that, that's the way wrestling is sometimes. And I think that you know, it goes away and it comes back and it cycles us. But then again, it's been a good week for the good guys, I think. Mm. In the sense of, you know, we've got rid of two and that's the main thing to take away from this week of the bad guys, not the good guys. Um, and there's been some cool wrestling stuff and you know, we talk about this all the time. There is cool wrestling stuff wherever you are in the world and whatever company you are not watching because they've been awful and there's quite a few bit of that about. Um, yeah, you can still watch great wrestling wherever you are if you have, and it's much easier to find than it used to be. And legally, so people get paid for it, which is really, really yeah. Cool. Yeah. We like uh, that. Yeah, we do. Um, we will have uh, a tribute to New Jack at some point this week, which is what me and John were supposed to be working on at this time tonight. And we will be doing that tomorrow night when I finish work. <laughs> um, so. I'm not sure. We'll probably put that one out next week, but um, it was sad. That is obviously the, probably the saddest thing of this week. Well, two sad things. We lost New Jack, an ECW legend, and controversial and problematic character, shall we say. And of course, it is the one-year anniversary of the passing of Hanakamura, and today was the Hanakamura tribute show. Um, and I think to bear, I was in my life a year ago, and a lot of change, things have changed in my life, but that weekend was one of the saddest weekends of my life because we lost Hannah Kimura. Um, and I just just absolutely awful because I'd watched her wrestle from being a 16-year-old kid to being this incredible presence on the Stardom roster and in Joshi. And she was really starting to take on the role of what her mother was in the sense of being a, patriarch, a, a, a matriarch of, of Stardom yeah. and being the person that looked after everybody and she's so incredibly missed as a human being not just as a professional wrestler yeah it's uh it's really sad and i also feel like there are so many people who had an opportunity to intervene in what was happening with her and the terrace house tv show and potentially stand up for her and protect her and that just wasn't done and it it hurts not just that she's that she's passed but it hurts because it feels like she could have been saved it feels like somebody could have tried to help her and it doesn't feel like a lot of the people who had the ability to do that did no and that that's that's awful and that's the reason why wrestling fans feel such a big hole for that's that's you know filled by this young yeah. woman that that brought joy 
And that big smile that you see on Hannah Kimura when she was wrestling, she loved professional wrestling and she loved making fans happy. You could see it. And when she, she was a baby face or as a heel, she threw herself into everything. And that yeah. what, what more could you ask of a professional wrestler? I feel lucky that I was able to see her at that one New York Stardom show. And she was just such a bright light in person. You know, she had such a big presence and she was so cool, so effortlessly cool. And it was just such a pleasure watching her. And it really sucks because I had, you know, obviously I had no idea that I would never have an opportunity to do that again. I was just thinking like, wow, she's so talented. I can totally see her going to places. So, yeah, yeah, she was. I feel Hmm. what were you gonna say no i was just gonna say she was amazing absolutely amazing yeah yeah i feel lucky that i did get to see her that one time because i know a lot of fans in the u.s never did get to see her in person yes and she got to wrestle at tokyo dome and at uh, madison square garden and there is very few women wrestlers who've been able to say that that's pretty cool that is that's a legacy in itself so on that note, we should probably call it for today. My name's James Troopany, and Chelsea, where can we find you on the internet, Mom? Uh, I have a Twitter and an Instagram with the same handle. It's Panels and Pros. You should follow me if you like wrestling, gymnastics, and pictures of my really cute cat. It is a really cute cat. Yeah, she's like really cute. Out. She's awesome. She, she's the light of my life. Aww. Uh, you can find me at Sheriff Lone Star, where you can hear me mumble complaints about British politics on a regular basis. Uh, <laughs> and uh, things I've drawn on uh, Google uh, Canvas, because that's my new hobby, apparently. I just sit there and doodle over pictures using a mouse, which is not the way to do it, by the way. But it, 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 it whiles away the hours and makes me feel calm. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, Thank you very much for listening today. You can find me at Show Time. You can find the show at Troopany Show. You can find us on Patreon, the Troopany Show. We all have our new Patreon show in the beginning, coming up at the end of June. Me and Christy are working on that at the moment. And you can find us on Facebook at the Troopany Show as well. Take care. We will see you again soon. Bye. Bye.